In this episode, we talk about an old friend of ours, Huey. Huey was my first sponsor in the recovery process that I actually worked steps with and was a really good friend. And he passed away two weeks ago. So we want to say rest in peace and you will be missed, Huey. In a world with way too many podcasts comes Jeff Talion and this guy. The podcast to end all podcasts. With some pieced together recording equipment, a couple loosely informed topics, and a coin, these three friends set out to forever change the next hour of your life. Jack Talion and this guy is solely for entertainment purposes. Just Farrakhan Morgan are not professional researchers, investigators, or gynecologists. Not suitable for children. All right, welcome back to another episode of Jap Talion and this guy. I'm Morgan. Ladies and gentlemen, we at Jap Talion and this guy would like to welcome Bob Bacon. I'm Bob. And I'm Eric. So what we do here is we usually get together, three of us, usually it's Joseph, but we get together, we shoot the shit, we flip a coin, we go over a topic that somebody has... Uh, researched and talk shit to each other, but we're not going to flip a coin today, right? Right. We're going to do a little, uh, little special thing because we got Bob with us here, and um, Bob's not afraid to talk about what we're going to talk about. That's right. Get your <laughs> panties ready, ladies. <laughs> they' about to be soaked. <laughs> Thank God they can't see me. <laughs> Oh shit, man! We were uh, somewhere. Oh, your your uh, your girlfriend's divorce party, and yeah. someone said, "Wait a minute, you're this guy." Oh yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm this guy." And that was the first thing that entered my mind. Is like, they're like this fucking guy. <laughs> Thought he looked like Morgan and Joseph. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> two two gladiators. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. So, um, Eric, tell me something from your week. Tell me. Um, Right now, uh, 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 um, oh, uh, Annie and I have decided to paint our living room because we, um, I'm a child, and uh, <laughs> what we got um, one of those portraits that you can get of your dogs where they look like nobility from the 1700s oh, yeah. or some shit. Well, we bought this big blanket that is like a huge artwork, so we hung it on the wall. It didn't kind of match our color scheme. So we ended up like getting new couches and a new rug. Holy like, shit! Wait a minute, you got new couches and a new rug because of the tapestry, <laughs> because of your tapestry, kinda, kinda. <laughs> and now you're gonna paint <laughs> your, yeah, your yeah. dog tapestry. Yeah. And it's like the first when you walk oh, in the door, it's the first thing you see. But no, I wanted different couches for a little bit, anyways. And um, Annie's the frugal one. I have to work on her for months to spend money. Yeah. We've been talking about getting an AC, which is something that we both know we need like for the house. You're talking for, about air conditioning. For years. <laughs> We've been talking about air conditioning for years. Just a new just an AC. We need to do it. Yeah. Bite the bullet. Anyways. No, we'll get a dog tapestry and then redo the yeah. living room. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny as shit, on, man. On our list of priorities. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> want a dog tapestry, but Annie won't let me. His <laughs> life's so hard. Check. Well, we, it's just you won't fucking do it. We even have a line of credit to do that <laughs> sort of stuff. She just won't fucking do it. But anyways, I, I've slowly convinced her into replacing every piece of our living room based on my dog blanket. <laughs> so, Hell yeah. Bob, how's your week looked? Uh, pretty good. I, uh, I don't know. I guess uh, the highlight of my week was coming up here, coming oh. to uh, coming to Columbia. Oh, I, you guys oh, know Columbia. I live live down the Hilton Head area, and uh, got to come up and see my daughter and go to a baseball game with her last night. So that was fun. They had uh, fireworks after. Oh, uh, fireflies! Yeah, early yeah. July Fourth uh, thing, but uh, it was cool. Like she didn't come down for Father's Day. Um, she wasn't feeling that good that day. So she called me and she said, uh, Hey, you want to go to a baseball game? And you know, I'm a, I'm a sports junkie. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, I go, how did you think of that? She said, <laughs> dad, 
sports. What can we do? <laughs> um, so it was cool. It was really cool hanging out with her, and she just uh, she just bought a house. And, Shit. and so, you know, for the first time in my life, I got to sleep in a house owned by one of my children. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Hell so yeah. that was, uh, that was like, I was like, wait a minute. I mean, cause she said something and I said, get out. And she said, no, you get out. <laughs> well, fuck it. It's her house. <laughs> it's like, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So, so that was really cool. Hell yeah. How's that park look? I know they tore a bunch of shit down. Because it was pretty well hidden from the road for a while, and now they've torn a bunch of stuff down and built an actual park around that baseball field. Yeah, well, I mean, from Bluff Road, you can't uh, Bull Street, you can't see it. Oh, you so still can't you see still it. Still can't Bull see it. Oh, okay. So you have to go in, and I had never been there before, so I just kind of followed the road and said, "Hopefully, a baseball stadium <laughs> pops up around yeah. here somewhere." Uh, but. But yeah, and you could still see like out in uh, along the left field and right field as it gets out towards the wall, you could still see where there's uh, stuff that they're doing construction oh, okay, yeah. inside of it too. Yeah. So, but no, it's nice. It reminds oh, me yeah. of where uh, the South Carolina Gamecocks play. Um, it, uh, it, oh, their new st- yeah. uh, baseball stadium yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's not it, new anymore. Yeah, it basically looks like that. Yeah. So, which is really nice. Yeah. Uh, for a, a low single A team, no shit. They yeah. probably have one of the best stadiums <laughs> going. So, Annie oh, yeah. and I went with um, some friends that we all know, uh, Paula and Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy Money. <laughs> and uh, it was it was a little while ago, so it was you know not that old. And it started raining really fucking heavy, and there was like a pipe behind me that meant to divert the water underneath or whatever. It broke and just flooded me right behind me, completely soaked my whole body. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did the people around you have to pay extra for the <laughs> wet t-shirt contest that night? Or? Dude, oh, I, went, shit. I went and walked up to like somebody was like, a pipe broke behind my seat, and they were like, Oh, we'll get on that. But now I'm like, can I get a towel or something? Yeah. Like, they never... You want to give me a free T-shirt or something? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. Something, something nah. dry? No. Nah. Oh, God. Nah. I was like, well, That's now, hilarious, though. Now I can yeah. piss my pants and no one will know it. Yeah. <laughs> you blame it on that. Been wanting to do this for Done. a while here. Hold on. Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about shit. you, Morgasm? Who, my week? Yeah, your week. <laughs> okay, so I went to, I guess, you know, last weekend was Father's Day. And my ex-wife had scheduled her beach trip with the kids over Father's Day weekend and didn't realize it was Father's Day or whatever. Sure, she did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, but to her credit, you know, she told me that if I wanted to come to the beach and, you know, get the kids and spend some time there, she'd pay for a room or whatever. Oh, nice. Because she couldn't cancel her room. She even offered to come home that Saturday. Anyway, so I go down Saturday and stay the night with uh, Brandy, and we go. The kids love going to the Wahlburgers restaurant. They're always making jokes because, for some reason, people think I look like I could be related to the Wahlbergs. You do. (laughs) My kids make jokes about it because they got the pictures and the big cardboard cutouts and shit, and they (laughs) like the food, so... Brandy was like, why do you want to go there? And I'm like, look, if I can find a place that all three of my kids like the food, that's where the fuck I'm going. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're in there and we're eating and uh, some lady gets up out of her seat and she looks over and she like lunges over at me. And I was like, yo, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and she's she just kind of mouths, are you him? And I was like, get the fuck out of my face. Like, no, I'm not him. <laughs> And uh, she went to the bathroom and she came back and whatever. We finished eating and we're getting up to leave. And I swear, like five women at this table, they're all staring at me. And I was I had to have turned bright red, you know, (laughs) because I'm like, what the fuck? And she goes, come here a second. She's like, you can tell us. I know you're not him, but are you one of them? (laughs) I was like, no, I'm not one of them. And she's like, you should really use that to your advantage. And my girlfriend's like, she's like, he has, he's done. (laughs) I'd have been signing autographs Uh, and shit. (laughs) That's what somebody else told me. Yeah, I'm one of them. (laughs) Let's take pictures. Yeah, 20 bucks a pop. (laughs) Oh God, that shit's embarrassing though, man. I, I don't know if, like, that's as close to celeb status as I'm going to get, and I don't know if I can do any better than that. Woo! We fucking love you, Morgan! Yeah! 
Grab his dick and twist it. I don't want to be recognized everywhere, you know? Could you imagine living like that, like, for real? Fuck no, man. That's what a lot of celebrities complain about, that shit. Being out to eat with their kids, and people are coming up like, yeah. hey, can we get a selfie, or, you know, can I get your autograph? Yeah. That I, shit would, would... I would love it. <laughs> I'd be like, are you him? I'm like, whoever the fuck you think I am. <laughs> I am him. It's my origin. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I was younger, I used to get John Candy. Oh, yeah? Yeah. And nice. I looked. I said, do I look like John? No, they look, you look nothing like him. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I guess it's just the fat guy thing. I don't oh. know. So the last thing that I had or the other thing that I had was, um, and this might, you might know something about this, Bob, because you live down in the low country of South Carolina, the Murdoch family in Charleston. Nope. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you, Eric, you heard Never, anything about I don't it? Know where so, this is going. okay, the Murdoch family—they're like a family of lawyers. Like the dad's a lawyer, the grandpa's a lawyer, and so the son was out boating a couple years ago. He had a young girl with him, sixteen or fifteen years old, and they were drinking, and he wrecked the boat and killed the girl. Oh, damn. Yeah. And apparently, the Murdoch family made their big fame by suing the railroad companies. And I'm not sure what they sued for or whatever, but that's how they made their fortune and their fame down in Charleston. So the kid kills this girl because he's drunk driving a boat and nothing ever comes of it, right? And I don't know if it was a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, but it was very recently. The son and his mom were both found murdered. And people are thinking that it's tied Family. to... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Because they started raising hell about it. Like, why has it been two years and nothing's been done with this kid? And then, boom, him oh, and his mom damn. pop up dead. Hmm. Yeah, this shit's crazy. And then, South- just by sheer coincidence, the grandfather passed away from like a heart attack or something a couple days after that. From watching them get murdered. <laughs> <laughs> The South Carolina yeah. justice. Oh, man, I was hoping you'd have some info on that, Bob, but I guess Charleston's not right next to you. No. Yeah, it's like two hours away. Yeah. It? <laughs> yeah. It's about as close to me as you are yeah. the other way. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I had just learned about that. I went to, you know, I attend, this, I attend this uh, BNI meeting, and I hadn't been in like a year because of COVID and then just getting out of the habit of being there. So uh, I went back to it and... They were all talking about it at the meeting and stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? And then they explained the whole story to me. And I'm like, holy shit. I What's the a guys B&I know. meeting? A business networking. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you have lunch and exchange leads and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a good way to build a business. Nice. Should do that for the podcast. Yeah. No, I'm we just should. kidding. No, nobody cares. Just put the sticker on your forehead. <laughs> Get okay. your phones out, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna need you guys to scan this and listen to it, not around your kids. <laughs> I've been peppering cop cars with them. <laughs> the stickers. <laughs> so, Eric, you want to tell them what our topic's gonna be today? Um, yeah, I think I have a loose idea of what it's gonna be. So we're all, and this in, this includes Joseph in this statement too. That son of a bitch. We're gonna talk about his uh, his stuff too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have gonna, permission, right? We're gonna. I don't know. I oh, don't okay. care. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're we all met in um, the quote unquote rooms of recovery, and because of you know, if you know anything about them, there's different like traditions and stuff that people who are members of twelve uh, step groups try to adhere to. So we're not gonna try and specifically mention which one because we're by no means like representatives of anything other than our own recovery. Right. And we've never specifically addressed this on the show, but we joke pretty openly about our past drug use and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's nothing we're. I'm not particularly ashamed of that stuff anymore because I kind of work through it. I mean, right. you know, I'm, I could uh, smoke crack with the best of them. <laughs> but um, <laughs> we're, you know, part of the reason I asked Bob here and why this is important is Bob was one of the first people I met when I started recovery, and he helped me 
incredibly during the beginning part. And mm. I, you know, you're kind of someone who I look up to as a dad for my daddy issue reasons. But nice, you were kind of like, you know, my my, you were like my dad in recovery. You I need to call on Father's Day, motherfucker. Yeah, you, you didn't. <laughs> I, I think I usually do, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I fucking uh, I hid under the sheets. This the fucking Father's Day gets me, dude. Anyways. Yeah, so uh, I thought it'd be fun if we brought someone recovery-related up here and had a chat. Plus, Bob opened it up on Facebook. He made some joke about being a part of the show or something. I immediately DM'd him. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we'd fucking love that. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, because, um, you know. I had to put it out there. I was getting, you know, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was feeling feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he, you know, to build Bob up for a minute, this is awkward. Uh, Bob's like one of the funniest, most charismatic people I know, too. Did you ever know you were my hero? You're everything I had hoped to be. Did you ever know you were my hero? Bob, you are the wind beneath my wings. I gravitated towards Bob because he made recovery fun, you know? People don't end up... In the rooms of recovery because it's like fun. <laughs> like nobody walks in the door wanting to be there. Hey, yeah. we have dances. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you, you know, you find you finding the people that made it fun. I think is what kept me around because I love humor. Humor breaks through barriers like nothing else, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's a great way to cope if it's not overused with trauma. It's it just is laughing about some traumatic shit is way better than crying about it, in my opinion. Sure. Not that, you know, cry. You need to cry, but okay. not all the time. Yeah. Sorry. No, sorry. Right. What I'm, about you, I'm Morgan? What's your idea of what this is going to be like? Well, that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, again, to um, talk about Bob for a second, I've seen him since, like, the very first speaker meeting or whatever I'd ever gone to. Um, you ever seen his mushroom tip? <laughs> Nope. Have you? <laughs> no. No. Okay. Not so. without a microscope. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> no, but Bob used to come down to Sumter and speak pretty regularly. I oh, think yeah, he knew yeah. some people down there. You know, at that point of my recovery, I looked up to Bob like he was like a guru who had known everything about recovery. Now I know differently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, but yeah, I've always kind of looked up to Bob too. Um, so this will be a lot of fun. I've definitely heard him share stuff about his recovery before, but hopefully we can get a little bit more in depth when not constrained by the, as you said, the traditions of the twelve step fellowship. Maybe we can pry a little bit more out of him. Yeah, you know it's funny. I've listened to some of these podcasts, and all you do is like bang on people. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are like blowing sunshine up my ass. And it just does not feel like the same show. <laughs> so, well, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, that's what Joseph's for. Yeah. <laughs> he's, kind of a, he's our lightning rod for that. <laughs> we'll get back to him next week he's got, or this episode. He's got such a punchable face. <laughs> I listen to some episodes. And I just feel bad for the guy, man. Like, he can't even talk between me and Morgan just fucking beating him up. <laughs> oh, I think he it, loves I think he, it. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. yeah. He gets attention. It doesn't matter where it comes from. That's right. From what, yeah. what form. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and take a break. And then when we come back, we'll uh, jumpstart this thing with Bob and start talking about addiction, recovery, and how we all did it and still do. Well, hey there, beautiful people. It's Morgan. If you like being fabulously faux famous as much as I do, then you're going to love my new business venture. It's called Morgan's Fab Faux Famous Factory, and it's right in downtown Pelion, South Carolina, big boy. <laughs> now you can be faux famous just like me. We can give you the ultimate faux famous makeover so you can appear to be like someone else. Someone less blonde, more on fleek. We have on staff some of the most talented gender impersonators that Pillion, South Carolina has to offer. <laughs> Our team of gifted artists will transform you right down to how you walk and talk. We'll release your inner lion roar. 
Prick up those ears, pussycats. It's testimonial time. I was a crack smoking violence prone electrician. Now I get mistaken for Marky Mark. Thanks, Morgan. Ooh, Marky Mark, I just want to eat you up. Love you. I was a junkie living in a dog kennel. Morgan made me appear to be a decent human being. Now I have a cat and enjoy pedicures. You saved my life, Morgan. Thanks. You get him, tiger. This Morgan guy is the best. You go ask anyone, they'll tell you. Morgan is the only one to see for this. Everyone else is a bunch of losers. Thanks, Morgan. Here's a thumbs up for you. Mmm, thanks, girlfriend. Spoken like a true dictator. Dictator! Aye, this be RuPaul. This be a thing that Morgan is doing. Testify! All right, all you little sluts. Filthy whores. Come by Morgan's Fat Faux Famous Factory in downtown Pillion, South Carolina for a consultation. <laughs> if you have to ask how much it costs, then you can't afford it. Smoochy boochies, bitches. Okay, we're back from the fucking break. Fucking voice is ridiculous. <laughs> Why? You were just made for the radio. <laughs> Hello, I'm Morgan. Yeah. How you doing, baby? You know, I can't get enough. Attention. <laughs> hey ye, hey ye. Her Royal Highness and Majesty, the Queen, has ruled that joke was so bad, we shall begin with the interview. So I guess to kick it off, I'll ask Bob a question. When was the last time that you put a mood or mind-altering drug in your body for the intent of getting high off of it? How long has it been? Uh, December 20th, 1992. So Damn. I, you were one of the 92s. Yeah. I was actually uh-huh. in 89. Uh-huh. And then... And then Fucked up for a day, and then I became a 92. <laughs> Fucked up for a day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One day. One day and switched my date, so that's all it yeah. did for me. Well, it only lasted a day. It, it wasn't one of those days that turns into three years. <laughs> right. that, it's usually yeah. what that didn't means. didn't even last a day. I mean, yeah. I went out, and I was like, this Oh, I got working. you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So 89 for the three was, years or whatever, yeah. and then, okay, yeah. got you. Not like one night in 89. <laughs> yeah, I had that's a, what I was like, yeah. damn. I made a mistake, and then I woke up in 1992. I woke up, yeah, woke up in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I swear it was just a day. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Mike Lindell. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're smoking crack again. <laughs> what kind of shit were you getting down with? What were you getting into? I was pretty much a garbage head. You know, I did whatever anybody had, but my preference at that time, as with everyone back in the 80s, was crack. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. See, yeah. you, you don't usually share that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. it doesn't matter what or how much we use, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, t- yeah, yeah, to an extent, but some yeah. people can relate with sure. that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, um, you know, I was having a lot of fun with it. Like, I would get paid, and I would go out and buy two pounds of bologna and a loaf of bread. Because I knew that once I started using, I wouldn't have any money left. Mm-hmm. So I had that. That was wow. gonna. That was gonna um, feed me for the week. Right. And then I go um, over to see Flacco, and I would. <laughs> I would give Flacco all my money. In the beginning, I was giving it to him twenty dollars at a time, but um, I just realized that you know just I was just wa- I was wasting yeah. gas. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and then he'd go re up from the CIA. Right. <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, and then, you know, I'd go home and I would uh, hang the uh, blankets over my windows and put the towels down along the doors um, <laughs> because, you know, they were out there. And um, then I would unplug the refrigerator because uh, the compressor would kick on and scare the shit out of me. And for everyone that hasn't smoked crack that's listening, they weren't out there. No, right. they weren't really they, out there. They really were. And I, you know, I think that's a good point to kind of make for, I hope some people who've maybe never experienced addiction yeah, like we have listen to this because there's like a very animalistic aspect to oh, it yeah. that comes with just certain drugs tend to have certain side effects that mm-hmm. other drugs don't. Right. Yeah. And with like Coke, paranoia. especially crack, mm-hmm. paranoia, it, yeah. it does with meth as well, but... It's funny with crack, you get people who like, 
we all probably relate to looking out of the blinds for people yeah. that were yeah. never there. Yeah. Yep. Um, that, was the whole point, that was the whole point of the blanket. You know, I would yeah. just pull it out and peek out. Well, I yeah. would look through the blinds for somebody who wasn't there, or I'd look on the carpet for something that wasn't there. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Whatever I was looking for, it definitely yeah. wasn't well, there, though. The yeah. most fucked up thing is I had popcorn ceilings in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> And those little pieces of white shit would fall on the carpet, and I'd dive down and be like, I smoke more popcorn ceiling than I did crack. I'll yeah, be honest yeah, with you. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had to give up um, all that fun. You yeah. Know? I would take all my clothes off because I would sweat like a pig. Right. And I had to give all that up to get into recovery. All that? Yeah. And this was my idea of having fun. Yeah. And in the beginning, when I started using, I was at parties and I was with people and I was social. And at the end, I was in a dark room by myself. Exactly. Right. You know? Yep. We all relate to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. And there's an actual, um, there's definitely a biological reason for this. I don't know if you, you talked about looking at some uh, research of a doctor that's oh, also in yeah. recovery. Uh-huh. I know. I actually, one of my therapists did neuros. Um, she studied the brains of rats on cocaine. Okay. Yeah. When they get done, this what is a funny. waste of coke. This is a funny. <laughs> <laughs> so when this lady, I won't say her name, but when she, she told me once that she used to save these rats from the study because when they're done with the study. They just kill the rats, but she, like, loves animals. So she would sneak in and take what rats she could home, and she had turned the whole room of her house into, like, a playland with all those, like, tunnels and shit for gerbils, like, all over the room. With a bunch of recovering rats. With a bunch of recovering rats. (laughs) Hey, man, you got any of that cheese? I said, give me the fucking cheese! So... Fast forward five years in the future, I was in a presentation for my job that had to do with like recovery and stuff. And someone starts telling a story of their friend that used to steal these rats. And I'm like, was her name blah, blah, blah? (laughs) She was like, we'll talk after the conference. (laughs) I know her too. Yeah, I know that goddamn That's fucking crazy. But she, you know, she. Um, can we talk about how absolutely disgusting it is to keep rats in your house? <laughs> you know, That's about what I was as, thinking. About as nasty as keeping a crackhead. No, <laughs> come on, come on. No. We're people. No. Yeah. That's right. Rats don't steal your TV. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You fucking rats are better. Um, but, you know, she explained to me how the the center of your brain that deals with need. The need to procreate sex, the need to uh, survive with food and water, shit like that. That's where your trigger to get high gets encoded in your brain. So our brains literally think it's a need and that you will die without it. Mm -hmm. And that's not on a conscious level. That's like some primal shit. That's like what they call the lizard brain. It was the first part of the human brain to like develop. Yeah. So... Well past fun, we were crawling around on the floor smoking toenails and shit, not because we're bad people, because our brains literally had learned you will die. And it's not true, but the signal that's being sent to us is you're going to die. You go into a panic. Mm -hmm. You're like, where am I going to get my next fucking hit? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's fucking biological. That's not, that has nothing to do with a moral deficiency or being a bad person or any of that. And yeah, everyone has to like pick up a drug for that to happen, but all kind of fucking people use drugs without right. it becoming that sort of problem for them. That's right. right. You this, know? this lady that I um, was listening to, her name's Judy Grissel, and she's a neuroscience professor at Bucknell University. Oh, she still owes me $20. Yes, son of a bitch. <laughs> um, she wrote a book called Never Enough, and it's about the ins and outs of addiction and and how it affects the brain and stuff. And she was saying that kind of, you know, when there's three things that make up addiction and it's craving, tolerance to the reward and withdrawal. 
And, you know, we all do it for that reward. Right. 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 Um, I'm going to shoot this stuff up and then we'll get back to shoot this stuff up. I'm going <laughs> I'm I'm to blow through this. Here we go again. I'm going to read over this little bit of stuff that I have and then we'll go back to I'm gonna Bob I'm going to put this quick. in a light bulb and heat it up. <laughs> Um, but she was saying, you know, you get the reward first and the reward would could be something as easy as like coming home from a hard day at work and you pop open a beer or pour a glass of Jack or something like that. And you have a drink and you feel relaxed. You're like, there it goes. OK, I feel better now. And right. she said your brain automatically picks up on that. And it's like, OK, we're relaxed. And if you do it every day at six o'clock when you get home, then before six o'clock every day, your brain's like, okay, we need anxiety, we need chaos, and we need it now because we're going to go home and we're going to fucking relax. Then you start building all that anxiety and stuff and you go home and you drink and the dysphoria is met with a little bit of euphoria and that's where tolerance comes in, right? right? right. So then you're just normal. So then you feel like you need more to tip the scale so that's how you start using more and more and more and more she was saying and then obviously when you run out you wake up you go through the withdrawal of like a hangover from alcohol or um you run out of crack and you immediately are trying to sell your shoes for it you know and um that's the craving part of it like i gotta have it i gotta have it now my body says i need it because i'm going because then it once it wears off then it tips the other way real quick Right. And she was saying that that's the brain when you're putting your putting your physical self through so many changes so quickly, your brain can't keep up on what's important and what's not important and, you know, what's a need and stuff. And so she was saying that then you start craving it and it's just a whole vicious cycle yeah. that the three of us are well aware of. Yeah. And that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. 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 Sounds about right. Yeah, my my thing was, you know, it, it, in the beginning, I could uh, get that relief. Yeah, you know, right. I could feel the relaxation. But at the end, I mean, I would take the first hit and still have a handful of stuff. And I would immediately go into a depression because I knew it was going to be gone at some point. God, yep. Yeah, definitely. You yeah. know what I mean? So I literally got about five minutes of relief and yeah. then it went into panic. Yeah. Because I didn't have any more money and this was going to run out. Right. You know? And there was no fun left in it. And I remember having this constant battle of waiting long enough for the the hit high to go down. Because the hit high doesn't last very long at all. But then there's a long period of like your your jittery. Sure. Waiting for that jittery to kind of die down so I would get more of a lift when I smoked my next <laughs> one. But it's crack. So you don't want you're not waiting around with this stuff. Nope. I mean, you're you're doing it. Yeah. So there was always this internal struggle of wait, wait, nope, not yet, not yet, not yet. Okay, now's good. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was it was like torture from the second I did it. But yeah. My no mind shit. was like, you got to do it. Yeah. Even when I wasn't on it, it would, there would be, I could have two weeks away from it. And when it got in my brain, I would, I would get panicky. But yeah. I wanted to touch on something you just said with the, um, your body kind of preparing you yeah. for the getting high. Like it builds the chaos and the nervousness and stuff. So you feel that relaxed thing mm-hmm. when you, um, you know, take a drink or do whatever. My the same lady who a uh, therapist of mine would tell me that if you took the same amount of uh, morphine or some opiate heroin, yeah, and you got high off of it, and you got really high, and you knew you were going to get high off of it. If you took that same amount and just someone caught you off guard and shot you up with it real quick, you would OD because you haven't built up. The expectation of getting high. Wow. Your body physiologically. What did he just say? Physiologically. Starts changing before. When you make the decision to get high, Hmm. your body starts changing its chemistry to prepare for that drug. Yeah. So the same amount of drug. That's what. 
I'm sorry. Kill an unsuspecting person. I mean to cut you off. I'm. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. No, Just, no, yes. no, 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 no. Oh, you were talking. Okay. Okay. Um, she said something <laughs> about the the physiological effect and how your body is always trying to maintain homeostasis. Which okay. means it's just, you know, it's the internal state of stability. You know, you just, you want to keep that. So that's why when you take these drugs and they're shooting you way up, then your body wants to level you out. I like your arm movements right now. No, no, <laughs> no listener can like see that, but it's really good. 1980s fucking jazz, jazzercise. <laughs> I was getting kind of a Donkey Kong thing. <laughs> I was giving myself too much credit. I'm sorry, Bob. We cut you off for about 10 minutes there. <laughs> Sci- I got a science hard on over here. <laughs> you know, it's weird. I think, uh, I think now my, uh, my drug of choice is laying on the sofa. Because, <laughs> honestly, because I come home from work... I'm tired and this and that. And as soon as I lay on the sofa, it's like I feel that relief and my mm. back stretches out. And I just basically want to lay on the sofa. Right. Even even my wife tells me, like, are you just going to lay there? You don't sit up on the sofa anymore. And I'm like, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. Well, oh, you guys shit. were talking about that. And I was thinking, I think I have a sofa yeah. <laughs> addiction. I don't know if they have a 12-step <laughs> fellowship for that. Uh, lazy lay on your ass anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> One of my kind of pet peeves is sometimes there's a um, mindset of like people who have addiction issues that are very apparent because of the things that they're ab- abusing or misusing will call other people like earthlings or like people that don't think like us. But everybody has some type of thing and it may not be drugs. It may not be illegal, mm. but they it may have just be relationships or other people. Yeah. Retail therapy or they've got something gambling. that they've tried to use to fill some hole in them mm-hmm. that is not fucking working, but they keep reaching to it. Like it's going to work. Yeah. It's not particular to any group of people. Yeah. Everybody does. We all search on the outside for stuff to fix us on the inside. It's like being hungry and taping sandwiches all over your shirt. <laughs> Damn, that's a fucking great metaphor. You know, that's uh, it is. <laughs> I want to see somebody do that. Yeah, too. me too. God, I mean, if somebody walked up and they had so they had ten sandwiches taped on them. And you're like, "What are you doing?" Well, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> well, that doesn't work. You have to. It's you have to take it inside. Oh. Now I get it. <laughs> now I get it. Um, may I take your order? Yeah, I'll take the bacon sandwich. That's kind of my issue with some of the stuff that seems to be happening more recently in society where people want to have these crusades and campaigns for whoever to not say certain things or act certain ways because it offends them. And I'm not saying some of these things aren't offensive. Like what what your pronoun is? Or, yeah, whatever. Some Mm -hmm. people take it to an extreme where it's like, okay, that triggers you, and you want people who are close to you to respect who you are and this and that. Mm -hmm. But the real world is that most people don't give a fuck who you are, and you have to learn to manage that trigger shit on the inside. You gotta learn how to deal with hurt feelings. Yeah, you gotta toughen up a little bit. Right. Because the world isn't gonna. Kowtow to what you want. Right. Nobody does what I want them to do. That doesn't mean, you know, Joey racist. Yeah. (laughs) uh... Joseph is not a racist. He's not. Just putting it out there. Thank you. He's an Italian-American. He's so far from racist. He is. That's why it's funny to be. That he got those tattoos, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, you know, it's not okay for them to be that way. That's not what the argument is. But also, you know, learn how to deal with fucking hurt feelings. Yeah. Anyways, what are some ways? I mean, we all, you know, we've met in 12 Steps, and we, Mm -hmm. you know, the 12 Steps for people that don't know. It's basically like a um, a format that is kind of imbued with principles for you to live your life by or attempt to live your life with these principles so that your life has more meaning and value outside of external stuff. Like, you know, we're not taping sandwiches on anymore. We're taking a look inside and figuring out who we are and what makes us happy and try to spread that on to other people. Is there anything else that you would credit with your recovery outside of 12-step stuff? Well, 
how I felt before I came in. Yeah. Okay. It had a lot to do with it because I was just, I was miserable. You know, I wanted a way out, but I didn't know that it existed. Yeah. Um, you know, I had heard about 12-step fellowships and this and that, but, you know, that might work for them. You know, it's like hypnotism, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, people say, oh, you can get hypnotized to quit smoking. Well, it might help you quit smoking, but, you know, you don't know about my habit. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know? You know, the 12 step, but what, what that did besides just working the steps and this and that was it gave me friends that were also trying to do the same thing. One of the problems I had is everyone I knew while I was using also used because if they didn't, I didn't have a need for them, you know, right. I, and nobody that was like normal or an earth person or whatever you want to call it wanted to spend any time with me at all because all I did was get high. I, I just found uh, making friends and learning how to have fun without the use of drugs. I did hmm. not believe that that was true. <laughs> no um, shit. You know, my idea of fun was getting loaded. And once uh, I found out that I could have fun and have stuff to look forward to and be around people that I liked and made me laugh and that we had a good time and, you know, we'd all go over each other's houses and watch movies and play cards and drink way too much coffee and talk about, you know, who, who was fucking yeah. who and what movies have you seen lately? I mean, all the important stuff, uh, you know, and what I found was that I actually enjoyed it and I looked forward to it. Uh, we would go out to eat after meetings. I like to eat and just uh, and hang out. And the thing is, is that these people that I was in there with were the same type of people, type of person that I was. And had that irreverent sense of humor mm -hmm. and, you know, found the same sort of stupid shit. You know, we're all a bunch of 12-year-olds yeah. Uh, yeah, running around in there. And that's that's what really attracted me to it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to this 12-step fellowship and I can't wait to work the steps and yeah. understand the traditions and practice yeah. spiritual principles and all my affairs. It wasn't yeah. like that. It was like, I just wanted some relief. I wanted to find a way to live without having to give all my money to Flacco. Yeah. yeah. You know, I really didn't have a drug problem. I had a money problem. Yeah, there wasn't <laughs> enough money, was there? There wasn't enough yeah. money. Yeah. If I would have had enough money, I don't think I would have ever got clean. You know what I mean? It was, you know, what I had to do for money, how I felt about myself. You know, I like living indoors. That was an issue because when you're doing that and giving all your money, there's no money for bills. I want to I say that's, that's uh, what I see a lot of times is an issue with a lot of the friends that we have that end up dying from this. That's right. a huge issue that they have in their addiction is that they do have enough money. Mm -hmm. yeah. Their family has enough money. Their family will enable them yep. to their end. You know, dude, Michael Jackson had a doctor bringing fucking propofol to his house to yeah. help him sleep. Propofol is used for surgery. <laughs> that motherfucker had a doctor bringing a, that typically you don't find this medicine outside of hospitals. Right. Or some place that does like medical treatments of some mm. sorts, surgery, outpatient surgery, shit like that. He's got all the money in the world yeah. and it did not help with that. Right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I'm guessing he had some <clears throat> drug problems if it was taking propofol to put him to sleep because that's like... That's knock your dick in the dirt. You're not conscious shit right there. That's yeah. beyond. Yeah, I mean, they could perform surgery on you while you're yeah. sleeping, and you yeah. wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Which is kind of how I am getting woken up in the morning. They're like, you know. <laughs> but still, that's 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 crazy, man. But I bet you this. I bet you got really good sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's woke him up yet. He, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I yeah. bet he woke up. He didn't up have each bags morning. under his eyes. Yeah. I'll tell you that, boy. <laughs> God, he it's just, like I've never touched a child. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <laughs> uh, I held on to my drink. I swallowed it. <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> yeah. Morgan has a too much dick problem, I think. What is that? <laughs> he's got a dick like a Coke can, and he's got a sex drive like a young, roided out bull. You got too much dick. Oh, <laughs> he's got that big dick I'm energy. Sorry, yeah, he's, he's got, got that, that big, big dick, dick energy. energy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he like got clean and then he realized, oh shit, I got BDE. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that this shit works again, <laughs> I need to go use it. 
So find me a hole somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that oak oh, tree man. looks kind of good. <laughs> the fuck the squirrel. The fuck did you do to this watermelon? <laughs> Whatever, man. <laughs> yeah. I always have a problem with watermelon because it's too big to put in the microwave. And, I, <laughs> and I'm only going to hit something that's warm. You know what I mean? I think that's another kind of common thing with most people that I've met or a lot of people that I've met or I gravitated towards in recovery is this kind of dark sense of humor because we've just – Lived kind of on the wrong side of the tracks for a while. <laughs> so we all have this kind of uh, twisted sense of humor. Yeah. That yeah. not everybody else has. Yeah. 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 That's, uh, that's what my wife says all the time. Me and uh, my son Eli will be there, and she's like, I'm living with 12 year olds. <laughs> yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah. It was a conscious decision. <laughs> you know? I, I can uh, relate to a lot of stuff you were saying, Bob, about um, some of the things you picked up on coming into the 12-step fellowship as far as uh, as far as like re- being able to relate to people, right? So I walk up to my very first meeting ever and um, and it wasn't it was kind of the same thing uh, where I had somebody telling me, oh, you got to go do this, you know, you got to go to these meetings because people get help in there and I'm like, Nobody's going to help me. I smoke crack. Do you know that I smoke crack? Yeah, because yeah. I can't just stop smoking crack. Mm, if yeah. you think I can, you're fucking wrong. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's something important to touch on, too, just real quick, is that people that aren't drug addicts, and some people that are drug addicts and just don't admit it, right, will or look... Or realize it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or realize it, right, will look at drug addicts who are continually trying to get clean and just can't. They don't, I feel like they don't understand that, like, I wanted to get clean. I wanted to be able to stop smoking crack for a couple of years before I stopped smoking crack. Sure. You know, I remember sitting in my room learning how to cook it overnight, you know, and uh, 11 o'clock the next morning, I'm still cooking it and smoking it and fucking crying on my bedroom floor, telling myself out loud to just stop. Yeah. You know, and, and you I couldn't do it. That's powerlessness. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, yeah. Exactly that's, what that's using against my will. That's right. Right. So anyways, I go up to this first meeting and uh, pull up and it's at the back of this uh, detox house. And I see some people standing out in the yard and I'm like, man, I'm just going to cruise through here and tell my family I went to the meeting, you know, and just haul ass out. And then there's people there. So I'm like, shit, now I got to stop and talk to them because I'm important and they're looking at me. Yeah. I'm not I was not important. I was driving some van that fucking smoked more than I did. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I get out and there's this old redneck dude standing there. And uh, oh, this isn't a meeting. I can say who it was. It was uh, Huey. Yeah. You remember Huey? I used to sponsor him. Yeah. And, the, and George. And George, yeah. Right, yeah. But he, and you remember Huey too, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. One of the first uh, like kind of big things I did in um, the fellowship was Bob took me to Myrtle a Beach. men's retreat and I yeah. met those fuckers. Uh, you took me <laughs> like to the little uh, hospitality room or whatever. Uh, he he yeah. said his, his uh, dick was as big as a squirrel and he even had a rib cage. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I walk up, I walk up, right? And I'm like, hey man, I don't, I don't, know if i'm in the right place or not and he'll go oh bo you in the right place come on over here bo let me tell you something about yourself and he starts talking (laughs) about him you know but every fucking thing this dude said you know i was like shit yeah definitely yeah i drink one beer and i'm pouring out the next one poking holes in it that's right yeah (laughs) and uh i thought that that was that was really cool and i went inside this meeting and i heard some girls share about like being able to make amends to her mom, but couldn't give her back sleepless nights and tears that she cried and shit like that. And it just like, I just started crying, you know, like, cause I'd never yeah. looked at it. I never looked at my addiction as hurting other people. No. Right. No. Only myself. And no. I would use that. I would say, I'm just, I'm doing it. Yeah. It's me that it's affecting, not you. Yeah, right. Leave me the fuck alone. I'd be right. If yeah. everyone would leave me alone, I'd be fine. Yep. I'm not hurting you. <laughs> yep. Anyways. But just, we were. Oh Yeah. yeah. And having raised a child that turned out to be an addict, I uh, understood. 
the family part. Well, I understood, you know, him leaving the house and me not knowing if he was going to make it home. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of stuff and coming home and looking around to see if anything was missing. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he was stealing oh, yeah. from us and he was yeah. doing all that kind of stuff. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Wow. So that, you know, it, it, it gave me a good perspective on what my parents went through. Yeah. Yeah. My mom, actually, before I got clean, which led me to recovery, my mom went to a fellowship for family members mm-hmm. and Think. friends of drug addicts yeah. and alcoholics. They yeah. give you a black belt in leaving you alone. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I was like, you know, she told me she was going to that or my dad told me that my mom was going to that or whatever. And that he had went to a couple, too. And, you know, they needed to stop enabling me. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck her. Fuck all of them. I'm going to go beat their fucking asses. One more time for the people in the back. Fuck you, fuck her, fuck all of them. I'm gonna go beat their fucking ass. <laughs> <laughs> and I was so, you know, by the time I got clean, I was so glad that my mom had done that, you know, because yeah. I needed to fucking hit some kind of bottom. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I like to say. I, I think that that's kind of what a drug addict needs is to hit some kind of bottom where enough is enough. And, yeah. and you're like we say, sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? Yeah, yeah the problem is some some people, their bottom is uh, death. Is death. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. Like, I, my family did the same thing, my mother, and went to the fellowship for uh, black belts, <laughs> and uh, I wasn't allowed to come home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to come home for Christmas. None of my brothers or sisters would talk to me. Right. And I was just alone, you know, which was like, hey, fuck them, you know, but- I didn't like that. Yeah. And 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 when the holidays passed and all this stuff, uh, my clean date's December twentieth. So uh yeah, yeah, I was right in the middle of all that no stuff. Shit. And I was yeah. like I was like, I just can't I can't do this anymore. Cause yeah. I was sitting in a little apartment in Philadelphia, uh, a basement thing that was dark and damp and and you know, had blankets over the windows. And I was like, Is this who I really am? Is this is this yeah. is this me? The worst thing somebody could tell me when I was younger was you have so much potential. Jesus Christ. I heard that phrase so fucking much yeah, and it scared me. It used to fuck with me because I knew I did mm. and I knew I was wasting it. Mm. Yeah. But that, that kind of thing, you know, the family is enabling, yeah. which, which I went through, um, not went through. I mean, I was grateful for it at the time because I knew, <laughs> yeah. you know, I knew if, you know, I spent all my money and, and fucked everything up that my dad would curse me out and tell me how fucked up I was. And then he would stroke a check mm-hmm. and he would it, he would pay my rent and pay this and that so I could continue to keep doing it. You know, he would like put a pillow under my ass. Yep. And it wasn't until all that went away and I was alone. And I'm not that tough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go out and sleep under bridges and you know, my wife slept on, my wife could tell you what good cardboard is versus bad cardboard. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, she did all that stuff and slept in the park in San Francisco and, and was homeless and all that. She's tough. Me? No, I couldn't do all that. So I got to a point where it was just like, this is not who I want to be anymore. And I've got to do something. And I, I went to treatment a lot. Yeah. You know, I didn't get it the first time. I went to treatment the first time in 1982. Wow. So yeah. I basically went from 82 to 92 before I stopped, Jesus. stopped. Yeah. But I would have a couple years, three years, and then finally just it wasn't it wasn't worth it anymore. Like I just don't I don't care anymore. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm missing anything anymore. You know, I felt like I was missing something. Yeah. And I don't feel like I'm missing anything. Right. I mean, I'll go to restaurants where there's bars and there'll be drunk people walking around. Oh my I'll, god, that's fucking annoying. Right. And now. I'm like that was me. Yeah. You know, yeah. what an idiot. You know? Yeah, and exactly. So, yeah. So I just I just look at things differently now. But I'm also, you know, 56 and more than half my life I've been clean. So nice. uh, oh, good, wow. yeah, a that's good a bit, good way to look a, at it. A good Jesus. bit more than half my life. So yeah. Yeah. So uh anyway. Yeah. On to the next. All I, right. I think my like one of like the biggest things that Abusing drugs and getting into 12-step recovery led me to was to digging beneath. And this is this is not for everybody. This is just me. And uh, some people relate to this. Some people don't. But digging beneath the drug problems to find that I had some big mental health stuff going on that I didn't. I couldn't even tell I was doing so many fucking drugs. 
I'd start going to therapy, but here's a little hint for you. You can take as much anxiety medication if you as you want, but if you're smoking crack on top of it, <laughs> it's probably not going to help. <laughs> yeah. It's not one of the prescribed anxiety medications. Man, they gave me I this might have been you that said this shit to me. They gave me um or Patrick. They gave me Ambien to sleep cuz I was having <laughs> sleep problems. Huh. Um yeah, huh. So you know, I took one one night, and this is a this is a side effect of Ambien. You could wake up and have these kind of lucid waking, like dream, sleepwalking, yeah, yeah, states. And I had one, and I'm oh, like, shit. "Huh, wonder what would happen if I took two and smoked some crack." <laughs> it was awful, mm. so I did it again. <laughs> Dude, these shadow people were coming off the wall at me. It was like this awful hallucination trip and yeah. I did it twice and whenever I recounted the story for somebody it was either you or Patrick they were like yeah you're an addict <laughs> like, you welcome <laughs> but the you know oh, underneath all that for me you know I quit taking my psychotropic medications and all that and focused on my recovery to find out that was legit and um I started trying to use, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was trying to use this uh, fellowship whose primary purpose is addiction. It's one aspect of a mental health issue to fix my like to fix my mental health stuff, and it doesn't work like that. Like right, it does, yeah. it's not for that. It helps those things tremendously, but that's not the primary purpose of it. So I started getting real resentful that I was not doing well in these other areas. So it actually, you know, I don't go to, I haven't went to 12 step meetings in a while, but it led me to other places that my recoveries continued that have more to do with my mental health mm-hmm. because that, you know, I mean, Bob, Bob, no, Bob told me once he didn't know. He's like, dude, I didn't know if I was gonna be able to sponsor you. Cause I, may, I, I didn't feel like sick. I was qualified, honestly. <laughs> really? Yeah. He had a lot going on. Dude, uh, I'd like burn myself and cut myself. Yeah. And like I had a lot of anger towards me going on. Like, And that's pretty common for addiction, but mine had manifested in a very mental illness way. Like yeah. you, need, you need professional help. And that's yeah. not an insult, but I did. Mm-hmm. But that led me there. Like the tw- mm-hmm. that's where the 12 steps led me was – you need to focus on your like your mental health relationship stuff cuz my i didn't even start using like hardcore until i left my house because my first drug my first using buddy my first drug so to speak was my abuser like they told me how to live they told me what to think they told me how to feel because if i didn't feel think act the way they wanted me to i was getting abused so that's like that was my way of life and when I moved out, even though I really wanted to do that because no one wants to be abused, I was scared. Like, I just remember being frightened and I turned to drugs because it made me feel, dude, when I first did Coke, I felt like the most charming person in the room. I could talk to anybody. I was not sure. afraid to open my mouth. Yeah. It's probably hard to imagine me being afraid to open my mouth nowadays, <laughs> but I used to be scared of my own fucking shadow. Yeah. Like, yeah. You wouldn't leave the house. Yeah. I was yeah. agoraphobic for quite a few years. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'd sit so, there and talk, and you'd be like, hey, look at this, and look at this, and I was like, wow. Yeah. You know? And you know, and I'm like, well, I can help you stay clean. Yeah. But, you know, second and, step talks about finding powers greater than yourself, and one of them is in a lot of cases is a therapist or a doctor or right. you know a lawyer if you get arrested or, or <laughs> yeah. whatever i mean you know it's not the 12 step fellowships is not the end all be all but no. it will give you a baseline it's like triage right if a cancer patient comes in with a gunshot wound they don't treat the cancer even though that's the one that may be the most serious long term yeah they treat the gunshot wound but then when the gunshot wound gets better you need to start doing some chemotherapy and shit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. The drugs were like, yeah, you need to fucking do this shit. <laughs> like, you need to take <laughs> care of this first. But then when that got paved out of the way, 
are not out of the way, when it became manageable for me to deal with, with the tools that I learned through 12 step and in that particular fellowship, then I could deal with the mental health stuff. So I guess the, we used to send Eric for a tune up once a year. Yeah. He would be like getting crazy and I would go, it's time for a tune up and he'd go go check himself in for a week and get straightened out. That's what Joseph would tell me. Cause when we first started hanging out a few years ago, you were still doing that. Yeah, I was going in every once in a while. Yeah, and it was by then it wasn't like clockwork, but it right. was still like when things would get bad, I'd go back in. Well, yeah, Joseph told me you were in one time, and I was like, "Oh shit, is he okay?" He's like, "Yeah, he does this once in a while, you know." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah. just part, it's just part of the deal. <laughs> yeah, that's all. I've and- got more used to. I've got more acceptance to where I, what my baseline is with mental health stuff. And that's why I love this this project that we're doing now with the podcast so much is because it's sparked a fire under me like nothing else has. And, Aww. you know, I want to get this to – I mean, this would be my dream for this to make money because I get to be creative. I get to chat with friends a good bit. Um, but before I – just to wrap all up what I just said, for anybody – listening that's it maybe you think something's wrong or whatever or you've tried stuff and it's not working just do what fucking works like if something's not working try something else um if you know do what you need to do go where you need to go um 12 steps have helped all of us immensely but i know other people that went to church and fucking stopped i don't i don't get that yeah but they did it so do what works for you. But I know for all of us, 12 steps, like really, it yeah. I, I'm, it just completely changed my life. Mm. I'm not even the same person. I mean, I don't think I yeah. knew who I was before that shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it still goes on. But, you know, when you first start 12 steps, there's a whole lot more to dig into. I look um, back 14 years ago before my first meeting at who I was how my brain operated, you know, I think I had 90 days and this guy had loaned me some money, you know, to kind of help me out and stuff. And he was wanting it back. And I didn't like the way he was asking for his money back. That's right. So when I handed it to him, my other hand had a knife in it and I was going to cut his fucking face up, you know, and Huey actually grabbed my hand. I was like, yeah, Bo, what the fuck you doing, Bo? (laughs) You know, and I look at that and I'm like, I would never think to do that shit right now. Yeah. You know? Do I owe you anything, by the way? God almighty. It's nuts, the, though, right? Yeah, the, it, the well, growth. I've never known that you. <laughs> so, like, you've told me stuff like this, and it's hard for me to imagine because you're such a affiable guy. You're just a likable, nice, charismatic guy. Yeah. So it's hard switch for me. Blade in his pocket. At all <laughs> yeah. I do have a well, knife. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, we sat here today and, uh, uh, you know, kid around a lot about this and, and mm-hmm. a lot of times it helps to, uh, have some levity, have some humor about the stuff that we went through. Uh, because otherwise, you know, if you just take it serious and get depressed about it, there's no no relief in that. You'll blow your fucking brains out. Right, right. So yeah. so we kid we kid around about it and we laugh about it. Uh, but if anybody's listening and they do have a problem, there is a way out. There is yeah. Yeah. there are solutions. And you know, twelve steps. If it's a drug problem, you know, twelve step fellowship is a great solution. If it's Mental illness, uh, you know, therapy and 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 uh, that kind of stuff, or just you know, talking about how you feel. Um, I wasn't big into that. I didn't. I didn't mm-hmm. like to talk about how I felt. I, the only feeling I ever had was anger. Yeah. Uh, anger was acceptable for a guy. Yeah. Uh, but right. to say you hurt my feelings, no. no. Uh, you know that would show weakness, and and I'm from New Jersey, and that's against the law. <laughs> so, uh, but if they're if they're if you're having a problem, reach out. Reach out because uh, the three people in this room, probably if we hadn't reached out, none of us would probably be here right now, oh, honestly, yeah. because it is a life and death thing. And, you know, they got they got drugs now. You know, they say it's heroin. They say it's Coke. And it's not. And it's killing yeah. people mm-hmm. uh, left and right. So uh, I'm, just, I'm just glad that I'm not 
back where I was. I may not be exactly where I want to be, but I'm definitely not where I was. So uh, life is life is much better. And and for us, you know, this is a gift, right? So this recovery and this life is a gift. Uh, we're all married. Uh, you know, uh, we all have good lives. And uh, the only cost for the gift is we have to help other people find it. So yeah, yeah. hopefully, you know, if somebody hears this and you have a problem, seek out some help. Yeah. I, thanks, Bob. And I just wanted to say I'm divorced. And <laughs> <laughs> he was married. Yeah, I was. But um, but he's right, though. So today I'm celebrating my 40th birthday. And, Happy birthday. <laughs> thanks. And I got to say that, honestly, I never thought I would live to see 26, right. you know. So to be 40, it's like, fuck, man. I'm old. I didn't mean to get this far. Jesus, (laughs) somebody stop me. You're right. I did say I was going to celebrate my 40th. Yeah, because you didn't think you would ever make it. I used to joke, but it wasn't really a joke, that my early retirement plan at 40 was just to kill myself. And I made that joke because I was- You fucking better not do that on your 40th birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, hopefully I won't. It would would kill the vacation. (laughs) But- that's you know that's what I used to say because I really was afraid. Like when people would tell me how much potential I had, um, I would just think I I can't do that. Like I was so afraid to realize my potential. And once again, that's why I love this podcast so much because this is like me going for a dream, like trying to do something outside of the normal rules of go get a job at the grocery store, but like invest time and money into a venture that I enjoy to try and bring joy to others. I have a fucking master's degree as a social worker and I was licensed until I let it lapse. But I went through all that to find that I think my u- most useful tool tool to help people feel better is my humor. I'm a funny Aww. fucking guy. Fucking Patch Adams over here. I paid a lot of goddamn money to learn that lesson. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned a lot of good stuff. But working with vulnerable people all day triggered my trauma like nothing fucking else, man. I had like a full-on breakdown of just, I can't fucking do this, man. Yeah. It was, and I could maybe at a later date, I'm not like putting a, you know, a tombstone on it, but dealing with people at in the grips of their fucking addiction, like day in and day out of just, cause I was in the assessment center of this job I was doing and just people coming in there. And I mean, this one lady, Oh fuck. She started having, um, she started hallucinating. She had like her brain just snapped and she was just having hallucinations now cause she did too much. And I'm um, seeing Jesus. like a single mother fucking dealing with that shit. She, you know? Oh yeah. People get spun. I was like, <laughs> I quit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn. So, Morgan, you got like a final, you got a final wrap up on this or something? I don't know. Uh, um, drugs are bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bob, you got a final piece? You know, this has been a lot of fun coming here to do this with these guys. We're all old friends and, uh, uh, I really like it, and hopefully I'll get invited back at some point. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about Thank something you. other than drugs next time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll bring Joseph back, uh-huh. and we'll just, like, duct tape him <laughs> and make him listen to our insults. <laughs> oh, we'll tie him up. <laughs> he's not into that. <laughs> yeah, he's not. No, he like, he's the tire, not the tie <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Joseph. <laughs> So we end this in a kind of unique way. Have a good evening. Have a good day. Have a wonderful life. I don't know. So, I was going to ask a leading question, and I have no questions. <laughs> uh, I just... Uh, oh, sorry. That's a sponsor you from Help. Cigar Head. burns. Everybody gets cigar did you burns. answer it? It looked like you answered it. You did. Oh, did I... When a phone goes off, we all line up for cigar burns. It's it's the only way we'll learn. I'll call you back, Carl. Right? Right. Right. Yeah. So. Uh Uh-huh. And now, ladies and gentlemen, introducing Bob Noises. Like, and, you know, or whatever. 
I'm like, I, I, uh, and just, you know, and, but so, well, I thought, I thought that, I mean, had a, you know, but so, yeah. uh, that, but, the, you know, uh, 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 um, uh, um, uh, um, uh, uh, um, uh, 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 uh